Now I'm just kind of crying out and reaching out to my brothers and sisters of all cultures and say, hey, can we work together? Can we come together to try to do something to reduce this? And so I think the greatest challenge for me has been to have brothers and sisters who are not listening. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with Darren Edwards. He's the pastor of United Believers Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. He's a Black Baptist pastor who is involved in the Southern Baptist Convention. In fact, he serves on the board of Lifeway Christian Resources. But we're going to particularly be talking about his work there in Kansas City. Not just administering in this unique time of coronavirus and racial injustice and protest, but also his involvement in trying to bring the community together, to bring faith communities together with the Kansas City Police Department, the mayor, and others to help reduce crime there in their communities. He wrote a 10-step plan called Getting to the Heart of the Matter. He's going to talk about that in this interview. It was just launched August 11th, and involves a a number of goals, uh, such as helping build relationships of high-risk youth, connecting, educating, rebuilding the lives of youth who have been stigmatized by mainstream society or incarcerated or have incarcerated parents, identifying unique systemic challenges within various neighborhoods, providing job referrals to the Kansas City Police Department, and a number of other aspects here in the program. So as we've been hearing in the news a lot about various issues related to police and violence in various cities across the country, I was particularly excited to have this conversation talk with a pastor who's getting involved right there in his local community to make a difference. So here's my conversation with Darren Edwards of United Believers Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Well, Darren, first of all, thanks for joining us on the program. I'm excited to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I know this is an unusual time. And so first of all, how are you doing? How are your loved ones doing? I hope that you all are staying safe and healthy during this this unusual year. You know, I use a phrase called I'm trying to manage the madness. This has been an unprecedented time. And, you know, it seems like every week, every month, there's a new challenge. There's something new to deal with. And now with students going back to school, you know, my heart goes out to all the parents who are out there, you know, trying to figure out being a principal, the chef at home, parent. And so I tell you, my kids are now graduated high school, so I don't have that stressor like most. So I'm doing pretty good. Manage the madness. I think there's probably a lot of pastors who feel like that that's the role they're in right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And you are a pastor, United Believers Community Church in Kansas City. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your congregation. 
Well, thanks for telling me. September 1st we was our Founders Day. We uh, it was 23 years ago when we organized as, as, a, well, as a church. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, God has been really gracious to us. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of growth spiritually and numerically in our church. We try to be a, a community church. We try to be an Acts 1A church. We try to minister to our Jerusalem and really identify what is that? What are the unique needs, the systemic needs in our Jerusalem? And we try to be an active church and, and meet those needs. For one, I'll say it quickly, we adopt a school, Ingalls Elementary School. Ingalls Elementary School in Hickman Mill School District. Hickman Mill School District is the poorest school district in the state of Missouri. Ingalls Elementary School is the poorest school in the poorest school district in the state of Missouri. And here we are with almost a $3 million facility five minutes away. And we decided to adopt that school, to feed into that school. We do programs at that school. We supply an all-year-round school closet at that school. We bring, I, I do Bible studies with the Chiefs, so I bring players and Casey Wolf over to that school just to encourage those children who are there. So that's one of the ways I say United Believers Community Church is really being a community church, especially in these times. And of course, people can't see us. We can see each other on the screen. And I do see that you have your Kansas City Chiefs shirt on there. So, so I'm sure it's been exciting times there for you in that regard. Well, we're celebrating, you know, hope to get that ring here shortly. You know, I got to go pick it up. You know, so hopefully <laughs> that'd be cool. So. <laughs> All right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been an odd year for ministry, as we've kind of already talked about. I wonder what has it been like? pastoring during a pandemic? I know this isn't something they teach you in school. Absolutely. No, there was no seminary. There was no textbook. There was no textual education class that would prepare for immediately close your doors, shut it down, and then figure out how to do virtual ministry in less than one week. There was just no way to describe that. One thing that was good for United Believers is that we were already ministering in the virtual space, which was an easy migration for our for our ministry. But as you know, a lot of churches, suburban, especially in the urban context, still struggle, even five months after, still adjusting and adapting to what does it mean to pastor in the pandemic? Uh, you know, we're getting pretty good. We just put out a survey. 93.6% of our congregation felt that our virtual worship services are effective. Uh, you know, I always think I got that high of a vote when I became pastor. So, to say 20 years later, to be at 93.6 is pretty good. And so we, we try to we try to maximize how do we do our virtual services. We struggle really now. How do we disciple more effectively? in the in the virtual space and what are the things to 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 do that we're giving out good content but as you know without that person to person face to face contact it is very challenging to really know and doing those small groups or home based bible study which you really can't do right now you know how do you how do how does the church become effective in doing active discipleship in a covid culture it looks like it's not going away and so we're going to have to figure this out quickly yeah I guess you all are still meeting virtually. You have not. I know some churches have yeah. tried to return. And yeah, yeah, we've been pretty creative. We've done. Yeah, we have not gone back to gathered worship. And I want to speak a word to that. You know, when I look at the Bible, the Bible was more in, scattered. Worship was more impactful than gathered worship. That when the church scattered, that's when the gospel took off. 
and people, we wouldn't have the gathered church if it wasn't for the scattered church, you know? And so I think in this time of scattering, that I think it's time for us to really embrace what God is really trying to uniquely say to us. I know everybody is so ready to get back together, and I am too. I miss the, the hundreds of people who I get to do life with every week at United Believers Community Church. But at the same time, while I'm lamenting, I'm learning, you know, and I'm loving so I can be, so I can leading. That's my L's. I started off lamenting. I had to move from lamenting to learning, from learning to loving to loving to leading. And so now how do I do this now in a 21st century culture, COVID, can't touch, can't embrace, can't get together and gathered worship. And so because the COVID-19 dis disproportionately affects African-Americans uh, a little bit more than, than some other cultures. And I've been really torn, to be honest with you, uh, to try to figure out how do I pull our people back together? Can I pull our people back together? Because I don't want to be a potential outbreak. And I really want to be a good neighbor in the community around me. The community around me is a community that doesn't really have health insurance. And so we have all these people come in from all over the city to our church, leave our church, go back out into that immediate community. It could simply be a super spread, you know, occurrence. And so Ah, I'm 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 torn, you know. I'm grieving, you know, on, on what to do. The only thing that's helped me is that some friends have invited me over to preach at their church where, where they already started back. So that's kind of kept me sane, you know, in the in the insane time. So very good. I, I know this is the weird time. You know, my church that I attend has not met back yet either. And I know that's a wow. very difficult time. And uh, I did preach one time at a church that's doing virtual services, and I'll tell you, that's a weird feeling to preach to a camera but in, in, the, in the sanctuary, and there's like two people in the room. So, you know, I feel for all you pastors right now. This is a, I know this is a, especially, I mean, the black church tradition, more than, you know, my white church tradition, yeah. you're used to having <laughs> some help from the congregation, right? And so this is probably kind of yeah. you have your amen choir going on there, so. Yeah, I, I need almost like the NBA. I need those fans, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I need some rah-rahs and some amen and some preach-on preacher, yeah. you know. You it's know. a virtual, so, virtual yeah, congregation set up there, uh, you know. Now, on the serious thing, we're getting ready to put a giant screen on the back of our church and do a Zoom. And so where people can actually watch while we're doing the recorded worship, they'll actually be able to watch it and interact, you know, with me. I just got to get some amens going, you know, <laughs> so some, kind of, some kind of way. So we're trying to do some techie stuff to, just to give people more of a feel of what that Sunday morning experience is like. Yeah, well, that'll be fun. I hope that works out for you. Well, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> this has also been a year full, as if the pandemic wasn't enough. It's also been a year full of highly publicized incidents of racial injustices by police, by armed vigilantes, massive protests in the streets across the country. And, and I wonder what your thoughts are as you've watched all of this, particularly as a black man. What what are you feeling right now as as we've watched the last several months happen in our country? Well, we're in the peas. Pandemic, protests, poverty, police brutality. And God calls me to preach to those dry bones, Ezekiel. Get down in Death Valley and can these dry bones live? And it's been tough. First of all, it's tough for me as, as, a, as a black man watching what I see that's happening. And then not having, I appreciate you so much for even doing this podcast, 
simply because I think this needs to be amplified. I thank you for giving me the platform to amplify the hurt uh, that is happening in Black America. Just no question, no question about it. We're trying to be, we're trying to be, we want someone to understand more than we're trying to be understood. Hear, hear what we're saying. I think when George Floyd happened, I think the world saw that and was like, wow, that really does happen. But now it's one time. No, that happens all the time. You know, it happens more than more, more than you know, and more than the media puts on 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 television. And there are many names and faces that go unreported. And those are real occurrences. And so, you know, I had to work through my own anger. I had to work through my own sense of rage. And I'm not afraid to say that as a Christian. I, I had to battle through it and I had to acknowledge that I had it uh, so so that the Lord could minister to me to to work me to work me through it. But now I'm just kind of crying out and reaching out to my brothers and sisters of all cultures and say, hey, can we work together? Can we come together to try to do something to reduce this? And so I think the greatest challenge for me has been to have brothers and sisters who are not listening. They got their own viewpoint, which is fine, but their viewpoint, you know, it's kind of like seeing a six and seeing a six on the floor. On one end, if you see it, it looks like a six. And on one end, I see it like a nine. And the only reason why we don't see it the same because we're looking at it from two different vantage points. But there's sometimes where I need to come to the other side and see why you say that six is a six. But you need to come on my side and see why I say that nine is a nine. And let's figure that thing out. And I think that's been the biggest struggle in America. One group wants to call it a six. One group calls call it a nine, but nobody wants to come to the other village to see why they call it a six and why they, why they call it a nine. Does that make sense? It does. You're talking about wanting to be, be heard and people listen. You know, Jesus said, let, let him who has ears, let him hear. And, and I think you know, that Jesus was a very nice way of saying, hey, you're not listening. <laughs> and yes, you have ears. And then think about this. Over in Paul lifted up. He said, you know, hey, when one part of the body, I mean, we're part of the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in this thing. And if one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. I'm just looking for that. I, I'm, I'm for when, when one part rejoice, we all rejoice. You're talking about the Chiefs. I mean, we can all rally around that. We can rejoice over that. But can we hurt over black lives that are literally being executed, you know, in, in, in some way through the eyes of lens of some? And so how, how, do, we, how do we do that? How do we come together? How can the, the Southern Baptist Convention, how can Cooperative Fellowship, how can Word and Way, how can Baptist Press, how can we all come together and see this thing? And so that's where the getting to the heart of the matter even came from, you know, and I, will, I know we're going to talk about that, but that's where it really stemmed from is because it's time to work together to bring solutions. Yeah, well, so let's talk about the solutions, because that was my next question for you. Kansas City, like many cities across the country, have been struggling with a bit of a rise in violent crime this year. And so you decided to do something about it, and you wrote a 10-step plan called Getting to the Heart of the Matter. Yeah. Can you tell us, what is this? What is Getting to the Heart of the Matter? <laughs> well, well, let me let me back up first and, and, and really kind of walk you through the journey 
the journey for me started in 2006. Uh, I got a chance to attend Harvard Divinity School and be under the tutelage of Dr. Preston Noah Williams. Name would mean nothing to anybody, but the next name will. Dr. Preston Noah Williams was also the mentor for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And so I got to sit at the feet of a, of a black man who is the only preaching chair professor of person of color of, at Harvard and Yale Divinity School. He's the only person in America. And so I got a chance to sit at his feet and learn community transition, transformation, and mobilization and how to do that effectively. That was back in 2006. Okay, I sat on it. You know, I kind of took the classes, did what I need to do. I'm like, okay, God, check that box, move on with life. Never knew I'd circle back to it in 2019. One of the disciplines that we learned was a was a project in Boston at Harvard called the Boston 10-Point Plan. Boston at that time was skyrocketing and crying. And the faith community came together and began to devise this Boston 10-Point Plan, this Boston 10-Point Coalition. What I did is when I started seeing the data really going up in Kansas City, I just happened to be downstairs, to be honest with you. And you know how God would do things like a burning bush? The paper was sitting on top of a box. And I picked it up and I said, OK, God, I know what you want me to do. And I took that and I started rewriting uh, this plan to fit Kansas City, to look at how uniquely Kansas City is set up, and I altered the plan to become getting to the heart of the matter. So I actually wrote the plan in May of 2019. I met with the mayor and the chief of police from May 2019 until February 2020. COVID hits, which delayed us in about April. We met again. Uh, the chief of police began to embrace the concept. And then June, July, he was like, let's do something about it. And then August, we launched the program, which was just a month ago. And from that initial meeting going out, we have now 32 faith communities all over Kansas City presently who are on board to look at how do we reduce crime and violence in Kansas City? And how does the faith community play an active part? But here's the genius of the program. The genius of the program is... It's, it's calling each faith community to be an Acts 1-8 church to deal with the unique challenges in your police division. For instance, in Kansas City, up north, Shoal Creek, their number one issue is petty theft, petty crime. If you go as far south in Kansas City, it's car theft. That's the major issue. If you're in the heart of the city, it is homicide. You know, it is violent, vicious crime. And so we've got to begin, you know, we talk about people, let's, how do I pray for my city? Well, let's pray for your division. Let's pray for your Jerusalem. Let's fix those challenges there. And if we eat that element, elephant a little at a time, we'll begin to see reduction happen all over the city. And as one attorney general wrote me, he said, we cannot prosecute our way out of this pandemic. We've got to have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to change the hearts of men and women. And I said, man, that is the most profound statement I've ever heard a lawyer say is that we can't we can't arrest enough people. We can't prosecute enough people. We can't put in jail enough people. We're going to need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to to step into these spaces to change the hearts of men and women. 
And so it has really taken off. And I've been on podcasts. I've been on television uh, sharing this. And so I think a lot of people see it. They embrace it. They're praying for it. And as people hear this podcast, I hope they'll take a minute or two and bow their head. Just say, Lord, bless getting to the heart of the matter in Kansas City, Missouri. Well, you've kind of already talked a little bit about this. I know it's early, but I wanted to ask you what the reaction has been in the community so far. But you're already, you're already talking about all these different faith communities that are signing up pretty quickly to join in. Uh, you've got buy-in from the the mayor and the the, the chief of police. So, what what has the how has the reaction been so far? That side has been great, but you know, any God plan has demonic resistance, right? And so, I, I've had challenges. You know, I you know this is not necessarily a back the blue movement and but there are people who make it that and they try to make it political you know and and, and you know i i believe in i believe in the police i believe that we should have the force i believe that we 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 need law and order i believe all of that but it's not a back the blue movement it's not a political thing i'm we're speaking on behalf of the community bringing community issues to the police and then asking the police to address these issues so that we can build trust back into the community. Because I've learned something, it's a simple science. Increased trust decreases crime. Increased crime is a direct result to a decreased trust in the community. It's just that easy on a pendulum. And so if we increase the trust in our communities, we will see a reduction in crime. What is happening in Kansas City, quite simply, is this, is that there's what's called street justice. Street justice is when I'm not going to call the police. I'm going to handle this myself. I'm going to do it myself. I don't trust them to handle it. Uh, I'm not going to call them to handle it. They can investigate it when I finish handling it. That's what's happening in, in Kansas City, and that's what needs to change. So, I've had resistance from some organizations, some people who try to say, well, whose heart are you getting to? We're getting to the heart of the matter, the issues. But we have a lot of people who try to play on the words, play on the word choices, to try to start the divisiveness and the division. But I'm telling you, it's a God idea. And God said, listen, he has breathed upon it. He's given favor upon it. And frankly, God has shielded me from a lot of the vitriolic voices that are out there who just like to profit off of people's problems. And so I'm just trusting the Lord in this. I think those like-minded faith communities uh, from all faiths and denominations, to be frank about it, are coming on board or seeing the heart of this and saying, hey, we finally got something that's workable and doable. As you've been working on this for, you know, mostly behind the scenes for a year and a half and having all these meetings, I wonder if you could talk about lessons you've learned about the potential of faith leaders and police and mayors and community leaders working together to improve a community. Hashtag faith communities matter. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a, there's a song when I was a kid and actually it's not a written song. It's more of a griot kind of thing. It, it, It had these words, preacher, roll your window down so you can hear the cries of your community, hear the cries of your city. You know, catch the old phrase. I kind of, I kind of dated myself. Roll your window down. Now, when you see the car, when you got to, <laughs> <laughs> when you, when you got to roll your window down. But, uh, but that tells you how old the song is. And so, I think that becomes the first thing: is what are people saying? I don't have to agree, but I need to hear it. 
I need to know it. I need to know why a person feels the way they feel. Why are they voicing what they're voicing? And is God calling me in to do something about it? And so it's sitting at the table with religious leaders and those who protect and serve and those who legislate make laws. See, there are three laws. As you know, there's a spiritual law, there's a moral law, and then there is a judicial law. And they all three got to work together. We all got to figure out how do these laws that govern work together, but the spiritual component must rise up and take her place at the table. I think what COVID has done is has exposed our strength, but it's also exposed our weaknesses as a church. You know, that God calls us to speak truth to power. God calls us to sit at the table. God calls us to be the Amos of the Old Testament, the Isaiah of the Old Testament, the prophet Nathan that says, thou art the man. You know, he's calling us in this COVID culture to be that voice for those who are hurting in the wilderness. And so I'm just trying to get together uh, like-minded faith communities who want to be that voice at the table. And this is the first time, honestly, in a long time in Kansas City where the church has that voice again at the table. And so we're going to ride this. It's not just a moment. It's a movement. And to know I've got the trust from the mayor and the chief of police to make these things happen. We will have our challenges. Egos will get into play. You know, divisiveness will come into the room. Political things will pop up from time to time. But it's reminding them, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's stay on task. And I've learned really well, you know, how to stay in my lane. You know, I learned how to stay in my lane. I know what my lane is. I'm running that race. As Hebrews 12 teaches us, run that race. I know my lane. I'm running that race. And that's the leg I'm running. I'm not getting involved in other lanes. I know people try to pull you here and there and everywhere, but I'm staying in my lane, B. That's what God's called me to do. So I wonder if someone's listening, and particularly if they're not from Kansas City, and they're thinking, well, this sounds really good. How do I start this? I wonder if you have some tips or some resources or some ways of, of where can they start to kind of model and, and, and build on what you're trying there in Kansas City? They are more than welcome to reach out to me. I'm sure you can post my information. They can get in contact with me. There's another great model, not just get to the heart of the matter in Kansas City, but there's in, in, in Nebraska, there's Omaha 360, which is an incredible program that they are doing there that has drastically reduced crime, which involves a faith component, you know, and, and they don't have as many faith communities as a Kansas City or as a Dallas or in Atlanta or as a Los Angeles or New York. And so you can imagine the more faith communities that you have in your demographic area, the more impactful and powerful that this can be. So I'd love to share it with anyone who wants to reach out to you. They can reach out to me. And uh, I love to get the information to them and they can just tweak it to their their specific city or culture. Very good. Well, I guess maybe on a closing note, what as we're talking, of course, this has been going on for a month, but and, you know, COVID is still going on probably into next year. Yeah. You know, the racial injustices and, and that we've been watching aren't going to stop this year either. What are what are your hopes and dreams? Where, where do you how do you live out that hope? with all of this that is happening on, what are your hopes and dreams for your community, for your church in these next several months that are going to continue to be probably difficult times? 
You know, I, I, I tell people, I want to work myself out of a job. If I talk about getting to the heart of the matter one more time, getting to the heart of the matter is a bridge between the police and the community. I want to do getting to the heart of the matter so well that I work myself out of the job that there's no there's no need for getting to the heart of the matter. We can move ourselves out of the way and the community can go to the police again and the police can get information they need from the community again. And you don't have to have this mediator in the middle. That's that's my first hope. My second hope is is that the Little C Church will begin to value again the capital C Church and that we will truly become the church that Jesus prayed for in John 17, that we might be one. And I know we're in progressive sanctification. We're all working through our own issues and we're all trying to get there and we want that to become an, an actualization. We know that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And in, in Ephesians chapter two, he tells us to tear down those walls that separate us. But we've got to join him in his work. That's what Henry Blackaby said, didn't he? Henry Blackaby said, you got to join God in his great work. And so it's already done. But what am I doing? I think one of the things I think when we look back at this, you and I, our children, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren, when they study this moment, they're going to raise a question. I wonder what did my dad, my granddad or my great granddad, what did they do? during that season. I want them to flip back and say, man, Darren Edwards did this during the most incredible time in our world's history. He was doing this. I want them to be able to say, my brother was doing this. You know, I want to say you were doing this and, and amplifying relevant causes around the country and lifting it up so people can be informed about what's going on. I really want that. I think if we get that going, I really think we'll have something major happening. That's my hope. Well, I I will share that hope with you. And uh, let's continue to march and live into that. Amen. With uh, walking in faith. Amen. Well, it has been awesome to be a part of the podcast. I just want every listener to 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 just pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, pray that Lord's Prayer. Pray it out loud. Speak it out until it gets into your ear gate and, you know, gets back into your heart. Because in that Lord's Prayer that the Lord prayed, I think it's so powerful. Let thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. You can learn more about United Believers Community Church at believeandbelong.life. That's believeandbelong.life. And you can connect with Darren Edwards on Twitter at twitter.com slash Darren L. Edwards. That's D-A-R-R-O-N-L Edwards. As always, you'll find us at wordandway.org. And don't forget to check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes, your favorite podcast platform, and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. It really does help. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. If you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the Donate button. And whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And speaking of that magazine... 
I have a special offer for you if you're not a subscriber yet. You get half off for your first year. That's tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. If you have any comments or feedback about this program, you can send those to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening.